All right, we got Adam Carolla come on in a second, but I need to talk about Herdat because they are the best. They are our sponsor this week, and they are the best people in the podcast game. We've been trying to find a good home for this podcast, and we've been very unlucky until we got to Herdat because they just helped out with the overall production of this show, from the editing to the show, to the podcasting website, to the social media, to the video. And not only that, for us to actually make money, they helped us with that tremendously and that's thanks to the herd at media company uh, you know I, I gotta think there's a lot of people i mean i get stopped all the time people are like oh you know can you give me any recommendations and get it to getting into podcasting and like what did you do and honestly if you want to be a podcaster hit up her at like they will help you out they will get you you know aligned they they know the equipment to get they know the cameras they know everything so Highly recommend uh, Herdat.com if you need podcasting, website, social media, or video. Holler at them at Herdat.com, and you can go like them on Facebook or Instagram at Herdat. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T. Um, and then uh, check out their website, Herdat.com. Make your passion project into a reality. I'm excited for today's show, Dex. Oh, I have been a huge Adam Carolla fan for a very long time. Why are you a fan of him? I loved The Man Show. Huge fan of The Man Show, but I think he was also, he, there's just something about his comedy. I'll give you an example. My wife doesn't really care about celebs. Like, I've been in this celeb world. I know all celebs. She could care, give two fucks about any celebs. She likes Adam Kroll. She thinks he's the funniest person. She thinks he's amazing. She loved his loves his podcast. She's loved him being on the radio. Like everything about Adam Kroll, she loves. So when I told her today we've got Adam Kroll, she was like really genuinely excited for us. Yeah, I just find him to be a, a very smart guy, very intelligent, and very funny. Like he I was just like, his... he doesn't hold back his like thoughts. That's the other yeah. thing that I really like. I also yeah, and I think people underestimate how honest he is. Like I don't think. You know, he's very outspoken. You know, you could agree with him or disagree with him, but he's very outspoken. And I think you got to respect that, especially in uh, in today's world where people get canceled and people get shunned and you could lose your job. But he is who he is. And uh, but I think at the end of the day, you realize he's not there to hurt people. Like, you know, he says, you know, I've, I've seen in other interviews, he talks about context. You know, he's there to make people laugh and entertain and he does that. He's funny, but he's also intelligent, too. So when he has an opinion on something, I listen to it because it comes from an intelligent perspective, which a lot of people aren't that intelligent. They, I, don't, I don't care about yeah. their perspectives because it's stupid. Um, crazy thing happened to me, Dax. What's know what that? happened to me? Do you hear? So you hear that Oprah is doing an interview with uh, Megan. Prince William. Yeah, Megan. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Harry and Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did an interview with Oprah about a little more than a year ago, and I asked Oprah about uh, Prince Harry and Meghan, and you know, and she gave me a great answer. I was like, I remember that she she yeah. fully defended them. This was like right when they were leaving the UK, right? Like when they yes, were exiting they were leaving the, royal the UK. Family. And I got this interview with Oprah, and the video did very well for me. It ended up on all a lot of the the major uh, TV shows, and they all picked it up. But I got a call yesterday from the Today Show, uh, and actually not a call. I got a, a message from one of uh, the guy. I looked him up. He was a associate producer at the Today Show. Say, hey, Adam. We love to use this clip on this t- today show. Can we do we have your permission to use this clip? Dude, oh, you have now, my permission if you pay me. <laughs> exactly. Dude, exactly. So that's what they tried to do. So, you know, they tried to be like, "Oh, do we have your permission? You're going to be on the Today show." 
dude, I know you have the money. I know you pay for clips like this. So I say, this guy didn't know who, you know, what he was doing. I, I don't think to some extent. He goes, uh, I go, yeah, you, I, I can license you for, you know, blah, 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 a certain amount of money. And that guy goes, oh, okay, I will, okay, we agree to license it for that much money, but we have to, if we agree, we only will pay you if we actually use it. I'm okay, that's the deal. So they agreed. So as soon as I said the, you know, brought up that you actually have to pay me, you know, it changed a little bit. I was like, okay, we will pay. So I, I knew because that's, I knew they have a budget for that and that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed mm-hmm. to pay you. Um, but then all of a sudden he sends me a note and goes, Hey, Adam, just want to make sure we have your permission to use this on NBCU platforms. And I said, that's when I called you. Wait, wait, wait. Thank you. Is that, but that, that's like any show on any platform. So that's any NBC show that goes to all the local news NBC shows that goes to Dateline to nightly news that, that, that goes for anything NBC wants to use. They wanted to use it for this one payment originally it was just a today show, but then he was like, it's smart because it's tell- the way, the way he's wording it is really smart on his side. And I think if you weren't someone who does this on a regular basis, cause I mean, you shoot a lot of videos of celebs, you sell them. And if you didn't know better, you just be like, Oh, sure, sure, sure. Like all good. When that could equal a lot more money. Exactly. So I read the comment, but I didn't respond because I said to him, what is NBC? Why I said, what is NBC platforms? And he said, all NBC shows to lo- local news, to nightly news, to day, you know, and I'm like, whoa, that's, that's an extra fee. That doesn't cover the Today Show thing. So good thing I asked about that. So then I just left the message as seen. And then I called you and you're like, no, let's like, dude, that's, you should be getting paid more money for that. So I just left it as seen, and then he responded before I could respond to him. He goes, uh, hey, if that's if you want, you know, we could just do it for the Today Show now. And I'm like, yeah, let's just do it for Today Show. If you're interested in more shows, I we mean, could re I give him negotiate. credit for trying, but again, my last job was negotiating these kind of deals for a big television show. So I know the inner workings of like, no, that should be the charge for one show, for two shows, for three, you know, like – each one of those is its own. They have their own budgets for for extra material like that. It's yes, and but it's just interesting how they negotiate and what they did, and if I didn't question and what happened, and that's how they get away with shit, you know. And it was pretty interesting. However, it did make the Today Show. I did get paid. You saw my name. I felt good about myself. I'm on the Today Show talking to Oprah. Pretty cool. Pretty dope. Yeah. Um, we got a Dax. comment. Should we read a comment? Yes. Okay, yes. let's well, read a comment. We like to re- we. Here's the thing. The best way to support this podcast is leave a review. Hopefully it's five stars and uh, you know, it helps out with the algorithm with the podcast world. So if you leave a good comment, leave a review, we will read your review on air. Dax, you got a review for me? I do. It's this one from Gus Oliver Harper. Uh, the title says, Fun and Interesting Podcast. I enjoy listening to your podcast. You both ask interesting, different questions. You both deliver a podcast that is so enjoyable to listen to and to be able to escape from the real world for a moment. Thank you for helping us get through some crazy times. That's a good comment. That's nice. I like that one. Yeah, Gus, I like that one you. a lot. Uh, I, I appreciate that, Gus. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for supporting the podcast. We also do this other thing that's fun for the podcast. It's sort of like a question roulette where you guys don't know the guests we're having on this podcast, but if you send us, if you DM us a video of you asking a question, say we wait, say your name, video. say your name, say where you're from at the front of the, the video, 
and then just get into whatever question it was. If it's funny, if it's random, if it's crass, we don't care because we're actually not going to even see the video before we present it to the celebrity. That's kind of the funny part. Like, who knows what the hell you're going to say? You send it in. Our producers are going to pull it. They're going to drop it into our video bank for us. So we won't see it. We'll just see your yeah, name. Yeah, we, we literally, we do not, I do not see the videos. That's the weird part. And I'm always very nervous what's about to happen because I don't <laughs> want to piss off the celebrity because it's not that easy getting a lot of these people to come on the show. And then I'm like, okay, don't make them leave the show now. But uh, <laughs> that's also the fun part. But, of it. It, so, but it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's like an exhilaration. You're like, oh, what are we going to get this time? Yeah, so uh, send us your questions, DM it over to the Holly Raw Podcast Instagram, or you can send it on Facebook. We'll use that video part of, and use it as part of the show. And uh, feel free, if you want to tag your Instagram handle on the video, go for it. Like, do what you want. We just want to play the video. We want to we want to have extra questions, and we just think this is a really fun segment to add in. So For sure. Uh, With that said, shall we Dax, get to our guest? Yeah, tell us about our guest today. All right, our guest today is a podcast not a podcaster like the podcaster right the original podcaster he's a comedian he's an actor he's hosted shows like loveline and another show that we call the man show which was actually played well into his latest book i'm your emotional support animal navigating our woke no joke culture very excited to have this guy on the podcast adam carolla dude congratulations three thousand episodes that's pretty sick thank you incredible Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll jump right into it because it's going to kind of play into the book. But uh, you ready? All right. So, um, Adam, so it's good to have you on. Uh, obviously, you know, we're going to get into the book and the podcast, 3,000 episodes you're about to do today. That's uh, a pretty, it's pretty incredible. You were the first guy to really, at least I learned about podcasts through you. But, uh, you know, let me start back because this kind of plays into the book. The Man Show was a great show. Do you think a show like that? Which, uh, that which started in 1999 could get on TV today. Uh, no, Kimmel's way too successful to ever waste his time on. Uh, no, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with no. It was it wasn't that easy to get on at the time, like the Man Show, because they kept saying like, "Where's the female perspective?" and "Don't you need a sort of he said she said?" You know, it wasn't a great climate at the time to do the man show. I don't know if it's ever a good climate to do a show called the man show, but it would be particularly difficult to attempt it today. Do you think just the humor itself was too much? Like, what did you think when Jimmy had to apologize for doing like the blackface Carmelone like that? Do you think that stuff like that could just get away with before that people can't get away with now? Like, what did you think about that? Well, you know, we had we lived in a time where context was king. So there mm -hmm. was a definite context. And if somebody did a character, whether it was Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, there was a context to it. So what was he doing or what were they doing? Well, they weren't doing blackface. They were doing a character um, the, and and or not even a character that they made up like you know they were playing sammy davis jr or they were playing carl malone or they were playing somebody so there were actors that portrayed people and the people didn't have to look like you there was a context there was that was it was it sort of fell under the umbrella of comedy so they're yep. like uh well jimmy fallon doesn't hate black people jimmy fallon loves chris rock 
and he can do the voice, you know, and Jimmy Kimmel loves Carl Malone. So he was doing Carl Malone. And back when there was a context, you know, famously, I think just recently, the New York Times, after they fired the staff writer 45 years, they basically said, we don't care about context anymore. The, the, <laughs> the, the editor just said the president or the editor in chief or whoever it was just went like, doesn't matter context be damned and i'm like well isn't context everything especially when you're talking about words or actions or deeds or or characters to me it's everything and we've lost context so now there's no more the jimmy kimmel's playing carl malone it's jimmy kimmel is doing blackface which is not an accurate representation of what we were doing and by the way, we wouldn't have done it if that's what it was. You know, we we looked at it. A couple things. If we had a third guy on the man show who looked like Carl Malone, then he would have done Carl Malone. <laughs> but we didn't have yeah. that option. Yeah. Well, I mean, this sort of goes into your latest book. Uh, I'm, 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 your na I'm your national support animal navigating our woke no-joke culture. Is it hard to be funny these days because of the repercussions or should a real comedian just say, fuck it and just keep doing it? I think real comedians job is to say, fuck it in any time period they're in, you know, so Lenny Bruce or Richard Pryor or George Carlin, there was a version of oppression. It was a totally different version that came from a different side of the aisle and so on and so forth. But there was a there was a time for, I don't know, Mort Saul or, or any comedian where they said, or Red Fox or whomever, where they went, the orthodoxy said, don't do this or you can't say that. And they said, I'm a comedian. My job is to say shit that people don't want me to say or may hurt people's feelings. So they did it. And we look back at them as pioneers or heroes or folks to admire or, or look up to. And now... The idea is, is you're going to be deplatformed or you're going to be canceled or you're going to be shut down. So the comedians who formerly were sort of the pioneer truth tellers have all been shut down out of fear. I mean, properly for their livelihoods. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think about that a lot with, you know, we bring up Joan Rivers a lot on this podcast and how she could literally say anything. And even in this day and age, I think she could say anything. But people don't have that opportunity. Everyone will get canceled because the culture just goes after them. Like, no one can be funny anymore because everyone's trying to find something else to kill someone else's career or to cancel their, their sponsorships. Joan was one of those people that could say literally anything and people would applaud her for it. Yeah, but it actually goes into what Adam said. It's all the context. Like, you weren't there to hurt. They were there to entertain and make fun. So it's And it's sad that we, someone is going through the history of a show that came out uh, 20 years ago just to say, oh, and, and then, you know, Jimmy has to go on a podcast and apologize. Uh, like, did that just hurt you? Like, man, why does he even have to do that? It's, did that bother you at all when he played, just for the Carl Malone sketch? You know, I'll tell you what bothers me most about this particular stage we're at in history. The people who apologize sort of have to apologize because they have a gig, they have a family. You know, I'll I'll tell you, knowing a guy like I know Jimmy, 
he's got a bunch of people that count on him. He's got a bunch of staff and writers, and there's so many employees of a show like that. And he feels responsible for those people. So you're, or, or the guy who drives a forklift feels responsible for his family, you know? So it's like, if he's out on an island and he's single and he doesn't have people he needs to take care of and so on and so forth, then it's kind of his decision or anyone's decision to apologize. But when you have people that are counting on you for their livelihoods, then you have to consider that. Um, it's more the people in society who jump on the bandwagon. You know, it's not so much the celebrity that is basically fighting to keep their job. It's the society that demands they apologize. I wish more voices would ring up and defend these people and go like, for me, I would always say it's not blackface. If you are impersonating Chris Rock, you're not doing blackface. Blackface is its own thing and it's objectionable and it's disgraceful and it's demeaning and nobody should do blackface. Uh, that is not the same as doing an impersonation of Chris Rock. We should be a little more nuanced than that. And other comedians and other voices in the media should be rising up and discussing that nuance and defending these people. The problem is, is they're scared of getting wished out into the cornfield themselves. So who's going to pipe up and defend these people? And thus they're forced to apologize. But I wish more voices would rise up and say, uh, and also you hurt your cause when you take good people who are sympathetic to your cause and force them to genuflect in front of you as well. It, it waters down your cause. I remember the episode that you, in the man show, you went to Snoop's house and you guys got high there. What was his house like? What was Snoop's house like? Uh, unimpressive. What? Seriously? Yeah. Just well, it wasn't the house you'd, you'd pictured Snoop living in, but you know, you know, I probably kind of pictured somewhere between like, the Playboy Mansion in a pot dispensary. But <laughs> the reality is, is I think at the time Snoop had a house that was way out of town, like in like Redlands or something. I mean, it was just like, it was like an hour and 20 minute drive to get there. I think he had his sort of safe house, getaway house, which is like in the middle of suburbia and not particularly impressive. A nice house, but not like the kind of house you'd think Snoop lived in. I think he had a pad in L.A. that was a little more exclusive. That's awesome. Well, who's the coolest celebrity house you've been to? Because Not even just on the show, just in general. I always find this so fascinating. Hmm. Who has? Well, Jimmy has a pretty good house, as long as we're talking about uh, Jimmy. Um, but what makes it so cool? Because I've seen clips of his house, obviously, on the show, like when Rihanna went to the house and stuff like that. But what makes his house so cool? Uh, probably that Jimmy's cooking in it. I think probably is what does it. Cause he always cooks. He has a pizza oven. He keeps the pizzas coming. So maybe it's, maybe if I could separate the house from the cooking, it's contemporary. It has, uh, it, it's a contemporary design, which I enjoy. And, uh, it has terrazzo and I love terrazzo. I'm a, I'm a fool for terrazzo. If anyone doesn't know what terrazzo is, Next time you're in an airport, just look down and you shall see Terrazzo. And I, it's always in a commercial application. I'm kind of a building nerd, but in a residential application, you can't go wrong with Terrazzo. 
All right. Go back. Going back to like these celebrities that are being very woke. Do you think it eventually it'll affect their jobs? Because it feels like some of them, like an Alyssa Milano, who we don't really know what she's done in a while, but somehow she's very turned and very uh, she's being very outspoken. Do you think that can affect their future jobs for them being so outspoken in show business? Well, I mean, you're, you're, there's always the danger that we don't look at Alyssa Milano as an actress. We look at her as a spokesperson now or an activist or, or some version of that, you know. So I think when you start crossing over into activist territory, now I suppose if I'm a casting director, I, I don't look at Alyssa Milano as the young ingenue. I look at her as the bitter uh, activist now. And so... I'm sure that that's going to affect it. Yeah. Is there any celeb out there that they you're just like, oh, pipe down like no one wants to hear this from you? Is there anyone out there like that for you? I would say uh, Chris, Captain America. I can't think of oh, Chris Pine, is it? No, yeah, not Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Um, Chris Pine is Wonder Woman. No, not Chris Pine. That's Star oh. Trek. Uh, uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. There we go. Yes, I've had an ass full of that guy. Jesus Christ. Just <laughs> he is America's stup- ass. Put the stupid outfit on and go get paid and shut up, would you? <laughs> that guy, uh, Mark Ruffalo, could probably take take 10 minutes off of uh, tweeting. Yeah. You just don't like any of the Avengers then, do you? I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like being preached at as much as I feel like I'm getting preached at by these people who evidently figured everything out in the world. Is it just, here's my opinion. It's like, you're, that's, you know, in some ways, what they know is, I want the people to speak as the people that actually have, you know, I, I like good perspectives. I just don't think they come from a great perspective. Their reality is different than from a lot of other people's. And then you try, then you, you question their motives behind it. You know, are they just trying to please everyone or seem like the good cop? But yet again, they're making, you know, millions and millions of dollars. What it, what exactly irks you with these people? Or should they just kind of stay in their zone? I certainly don't begrudge anyone sharing their opinion. I just hate it when they take some subject that is everyone agrees with. You know, they'll go, we're locking kids up in cages at the border. This is an outrage. And it's like, yeah, no one likes it. Now you need to offer an idea that would stop this or fix it or an alternative plan. Nobody's a a fan of kids being separated from their parents and held in a facility at the border. On the other hand, they're not doing it because they're cruel. They're doing it for a reason. And if you could figure out a way to come up with an alternative, then I'm all ears. But you're just just sort of virtue signaling, you know, being a hero, not offering, you know, it, it's it's the folks that it's kind of the folks that never stop talking about uh, global warming, but they're against nuclear, which is like, well, that would save a lot of CO2. So, like, here's the deal. Everyone is against global warming. Fine. Now let's start hearing your innovative ideas about how to rectify this situation, or you just want to fly private and send out holier-than-thou tweets. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. I want to talk about your podcast because you are about to hit a huge milestone, your 3,000th episode, which is amazing. But I want to know through those three, who's your favorite guest you've had on? Maybe, Maybe just... Favorite or most interesting person that stands out out of 3,000 episodes? Uh, 
Brian Cranston has been great over the years, and I'm going to not do myself any favors because there's always going to be people I, I leave out. Guys like uh, comedian Joe Coy done some really funny stuff on my podcast. Uh, but being able to talk to guys like, I don't know, John Cleese, you know, and having a really interesting conversation with guys of that ilk, you know, I, I never thought I'd be in a position where I could talk to a lot of my heroes, you know, comedy heroes uh, growing up. Uh, Alec Baldwin, always interesting. I, I, there's so many. I mean, there's there's so many interesting voices out there, and they're, they're so varied, and their opinions are so varied, but uh, just... Just having this crazy variety of, of voices and this, this dialogue, I I really cherish that. And and I wish there was more of it. You know, somebody somebody tweeted me the other day because I do a podcast with um, attorney Mark Garagos called Reasonable Doubt, which is a, another podcast I do. But, you know, he comes in here. We disagree on many subjects. We laugh about most of the stuff we disagree with. We have a good time, and then we we go our separate ways. And I, I count him as a is a very good friend. He adores me. And people, someone just tweeted me and said it's kind of nice to hear people disagree or argue or have their thing, and then and get along, and like have a discussion about it or. Maybe I can sway you over to my side, or maybe you can sway me over to your point of view. Um, I don't know what happened to that, but it, it, I would love to have more of that. I wish there was more of that dialogue in this country. Yeah. Who, in your opinion, has the best job in Hollywood? Hold on. I just sounded like Chris Evans. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have an open and honest dialogue. This country was founded on. Yeah. Sorry, what, Adam? <laughs> who has the best? Who has the best job in Hollywood, in your opinion? People used to say it's always people who host a game show, like a Bob Barker type thing. But who do you think has the best job? The best job in Hollywood are probably any of the ladies on The View, because they say nothing, and they're going on year twenty-seven. They literally, Joy Behar is the least funny person I've ever has ever sidled up to a microphone and she can't get fired because their audience is a bunch of unemployable dumb people. So who's ever going <laughs> to really raise a ruckus? The best job in Hollywood, I always say is, you know, every year they come out with that list where they go most overpaid in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll do this thing. Well, they'll go like Jamie Lee Curtis was paid $31 million last year, yet all her films flopped, you know? And I always go, that's that's the list I want to be on. That's the great. <laughs> Everyone looks at it as a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Don't we all want to be at the top of that list? Adam Carolla <laughs> made fifty four million dollars last year and his films made a buck twenty seven. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to be on that list? That's the best job in Hollywood, being at the top of the uh, most overcompensated list. <laughs> I think Vanna White has the best gig. Like, all you do is just flip letters. Like, you don't even have to say anything. You just get flip letters for the last 50 years, and you get paid millions of dollars. That's a pretty sweet gig. And now she does it electronically, right? Yeah, she, like, literally goes up and touches it, but it's not It's not even rotating. It's just you touch it. It's pretty amazing. Good gig. Is it, 
is it the best job if we're all talking about her as if she could be replaced by a mop? You know what I mean? Like, they go like, she don't do anything. She's worthless. I got a special needs kid who could do that job tomorrow, okay? So I don't know. I feel like us talking about it nullifies it as the best job. If you could do your show business career again, what would you do differently? If I could uh, restart, I'm sorry, restart. My- yeah, if you could restart your show business career once you got in, like what what would you do differently in your career? Definitely make friends with Adam Sandler. <laughs> I feel like if I would have found that guy in college, I would have kissed his ass and then just been in every single one of his movies for the rest of my life. Because as far as I can tell, Everybody who's in every Adam Sandler movie was just somebody he went to NYU with and had a bong load in 1990, you know, with. So I would find a young Adam Sandler and I would never stop heaping praise on him. That would be that would be number one. Uh, Number two, I would have uh, taken every one of my first paychecks and just bought Apple stock, I think, uh, Mm. would have been uh, my move. And uh, I don't really... I wish I had a plan. You know, my thing was like, I want to say what I have to say and I want to just go to work and I'll just treat this like a job. And I never really had any designs on sort of crafting a career or shaping a career. Well, you know, evidently I did not put a lot of effort into that. My thing was like, I want to say what I want to say. I don't want to be edited. And I understand that that's not necessarily going to be the road to riches. But when the dust settles, I will have said what I wanted to say. Well, you know, you've had a pretty long career. What was the biggest but worst Hollywood meeting you've ever had? Because we've all had horrible Hollywood meetings. So what was the biggest one you were excited to walk into? And then you're just like, damn, that sucked. Hmm. I Oh, okay. So... Uh, Brian Grazer, who uh, obviously the other producing half uh, with um, Ron Howard, mm-hmm. um, you know, Br- Grazer and Howard, they were doing all the, they're producing every huge movie ever made for like 20 years. Right. And somewhere in the middle of that, I got the word when I was probably I was pretty new to show business. I'd probably been doing Loveline for about 10 minutes. And I got the word that uh, Brian Grazer wanted to meet with me. He wanted a meeting with me. And I was like, oh, I wonder what Gra- Brian Grazer went, you know, he's a huge producer. And uh, I'm just doing like Loveline, maybe on MTV at that point. So I go down to their office in Century City and I go up to the 25th floor and, you know, sit in this big monastic uh, office with the windows and everything. And also, like, at some point, Ron Howard, like, comes in, and Brian's like, hey, it's Adam. All right, thanks, Ron. I was like, oh, it's Ron Howard, you know? And uh, we talk for, like, an hour and a half, and then um, I go back, like, I'm floating on air. Like, what are we, what does Brian Grazer have in mind for me? And uh, I never hear back from him. I never hear another word. I never hear anything. Nothing ever comes of it. And probably about 15 years later, I'm I'm interviewing him on my podcast. I go, hey, remember that meeting we had? Like, what what was that about? Well, he'd written a book that basically just said he finds people he likes and he has meetings with them. 
and he just talks to him for an hour and then never talks to him again. And I'm like, <laughs> I was kind of flattered that he liked me enough to want to have this meeting with me, but you're Brian Grazer. You have to say, this is not going to materialize in any kind of theatrical career for you whatsoever. And I have zero interest in putting you in our next project. I just like talking to people because I'm crazy. And I know my name's Brian Grazer. They'll come to my office. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I mean, like you said, it's flattering, but shit, like we could have had this over a phone call, bro. Yeah, or you could have come to my office if, in fact, you wanted to pick my brain. I didn't have to pay 19 bucks for parking in Century City. <laughs> you and Kimmel, you guys always make fun of your manager, James Baby Doll Dixon. Why is he so fascinating? Uh, I don't know what makes a person fascinating, you know. I think you kind of know it when you see it. He's, you know, idiosyncratic, uh, calls everyone Baby Doll, so his name is James Baby Doll Dixon. Um is he just he he's just this brash kind of new yorker lovable uh fast talking interesting he he's uh he's the only adult i've ever met who's still littered like into their 40s like you literally <laughs> drive with him and when he's done with his mcdonald's he just rolls the window down and just throws it out the window like when's the last time you saw an adult like, a millionaire adult like who just drove a rental car and was literally done with their, you know, cheese McMuffin and just threw the wrapper, just tossed it <laughs> right out of the window. Didn't even make a comment in Malibu, by the way, he did this. So I don't know. He litters. I think that's one of his most fascinating traits. <laughs> that's so funny. So you've created a bunch of shows. You've done some pilots, but like for the, the general public, how hard is it to actually get a show on air like what is the process people have to go through it's uh it's it's a obviously it's a pretty low percentage endeavor um i've had shows that i've got on the air that have been seemed like you know the stars aligned and it was just easy as hell and it just happens so fast and then i've had laborious you know teeth pulling and you know it, it, i've i've experienced you know the highs and the lows and, and everything in between there really there is no one answer it's kind of like um i don't know making sweet love like when it's right it's right but it's really hard to sort of explain it to the guy who's doing the humping you know what i mean it's like it's either working or it's not working but you couldn't really tell them that they're using too much lower body and not enough, not enough upper body. Like it, it's, it's very nuanced, but I will tell you when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, it can be a, a very expensive date. So we do a little bit of a speed round, just like quick answers, quick questions, just kind of get some real quick answers. So, uh, let's, let's try it out. Ready? So first off, you know, you're an interview, nicest celebrity, Henry Winkler, funniest celebrity, Norm McDonald. Most entertaining at a party. Jimmy Kimmel as the most entertaining and is the best entertainer. Constantly sort of bringing everyone food and freshening the drinks and doing all the cooking and stuff. And, and a delight to have a conversation with. All right. Who is the most disappointing? I'd have to say myself. <laughs> 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 most intimidating 
Oh, um, at a party. Uh, ben Affleck. What about the most overrated restaurant? Because we got a lot here in L.A. Um, most over. Um, anything that does the artisanal anything where they serve it on something like a rock salt patty and you're not sure if you should eat the thing it's on <laughs> or you know is that part of the dish or like the little flowers on top where you're like do i eat the flower do i take the flower off what am i supposed to do with this shit well, you're asking people what it, shall i eat what's on it or under it that's always bad <laughs> uh most underrated talent um you know, it's it's weird because if you really go back to the, the some of the funniest people I've met, I could say their name, but you wouldn't really you wouldn't really know their name. So uh, underrated talent. I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Dillon from Entourage. I okay. thought that guy I thought his I thought Johnny Drama was one of the funniest characters I've ever seen on TV, and he doesn't really get credit for being a really funny comedic actor. All right. What's the biggest celeb name in your phone? Man, I'd have to, I'd have to look. I, there's some big celebrities in there. I never call them, and they never call me. And sometimes when I'm looking up someone else's name that starts with the same letter, I'm like, "Holy crap, George Clooney's in my phone!" <laughs> but he would never pick up, and he's never called me. I don't know. Maybe I just got drunk and put it in there. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say the one I could probably speak to if I had to would probably be Alec Baldwin. Okay. Celebrity that can handle the most alcohol. Uh, other than myself, I would say, uh, well, I, you got to go Clooney because he's got a, you know, he makes tequila and he's definitely getting high on his own supply. So uh, not well, DeVito, but uh, <laughs> Clooney. <laughs> Favorite piece of memorabilia you own? Oh, well, this will be easy. I own 13 Paul Newman race cars, so I collect Ooh. a bunch of Paul Newman race cars. So I have a Porsche 935 that he drove at Le Mans in 1979, so I'll, I'll go with uh, Newman's Porsche. Last one for me. Celeb that left you starstruck. Um, trying, to, trying to think. Well, I... Once you get a little older and you see enough celebrities, you, you you probably are a little less apt to be starstruck. But at the very beginning of my career, circling back to Henry Winkler, I met him backstage at some concert or something. And I met him and I'd been in show business for like 10 seconds. And I heard him talking about me. He's like, where is this guy? Because he knew I was around and I was like, the Fonz wants to know where I am because I was a carpenter <laughs> like 10 minutes earlier and I grew up watching the Fonz. So I'll, I'll say when I, I'll say Henry Winkler circa 1996. Nice. And I was going to do one last question for me, but I'm actually going to do one of our fan roulette questions. Our fans submit questions, not knowing who the celeb is going to be. And we just play it to see what it is. So we're going to go with Nick. Would you prefer no one show up to your wedding or your funeral? wedding for sure I, I feel like and uh you know one could argue maybe we should just combine the two activities and save time you know 
Let's be realistic, <laughs> fellas. Be like these people don't want to come and show up to two events. Like, just get it right. over with in one. It's a symbolic funeral. <laughs> yeah. So, last question. Obviously, uh, your latest book. I'm um, your national support animal navigating our woke no joke culture. Um, do you think this new ish culture will last? Is this what it's going to be forever? Is it here to stay? I think the book is called I'm Your Emotional Support Animal. What did I say? I think he's saying national in there somewhere. But Oh, yeah, I am saying national. That is right. I keep saying national. <laughs> <laughs> people, can, people can Google it. Uh, <laughs> he's like, it says national in the notes. Yeah, I, I wrote it because I wrote it about, God, what's it been? A little over a year ago. I mean, when I started to write it, it was like, I kind of felt which way the wind was blowing. And uh, I do that with some of my books. Like I wrote a book. 11 years ago called in 50 years will be chicks and i was early money on on that as well so i i kind of got the way the wind was blowing with the cancel culture and the pc correctness and all that kind of stuff and i just started in on it because i felt that was the zeitgeist and uh a lot has happened in that direction not in a good way since i started to write the book no i i, I are you getting a pretty good response so far from people excited uh yeah, it it gets good reviews. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm proud to say that all my books on uh, Amazon are four point six stars, or you know, a lot of five star reviews and that kind of stuff. It it probably angers some people, but most of the people are kind of quietly going. Finally, someone is saying something about all this shit we've been dealing with over the last couple of years. Well, we're hoping that you're going to be the guy that made $50 million off books, even if they weren't huge successes, right? <laughs> Just, <laughs> I want a $50 million advance and sell two copies used on Amazon paperback. And, it, and it, I got one star, but I made 50 million fuckers. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. Adam, congrats <laughs> on the book, brother, and congrats on the 3,000 daily, uh, 3,000 3, episode podcast, uh, the Adam Carolla Show. It's uh, it's pretty incredible, man. And again, I appreciate what you did for the podcast community. You're the first podcast I ever listened to, and here we are. I guess what is it like 12 years later? And yeah, you were ahead of that. You were ahead of the time. Yeah, uh, 12 years and so maybe awesome. a week. Well, congratulations. Awesome, Thank you. It's an honor for you to be on our podcast. I mean, it means <laughs> a lot. We've followed your career. And it's a, a pretty cool moment to have you join us on our podcast. Thanks, guys. Anytime. I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I messed up on that book title. <laughs> I don't know why it says national. Actually, and that's it's funny because as I'm saying it, I'm like, why does it say national? I'm like, I, that's why I stuttered when I was saying the title. I was like, national? What is that? What is that? Oh, it's so well, the funny part is like the first time when you like stuttered over, like he didn't correct it. And I was I was no. Like, oh, all right. All right. Well, it must be. Oh, that's so funny. I love that he called you out. I mean, God, yeah, they they must hear so many things when they do these kind of interviews, though. You know what I'm saying? It's funny because as I read it, I, as I was reading it, I was like, this doesn't it wasn't cut off the tongue. Well, it, you know, yeah. what's up with these people making these long titles? It's, let's, you know, let's let's get to, <laughs> you know, but uh, dude, I just love a guy like that who's, you know, willing to, you know, just be honest, have fun and just talk about stories and i i love the brian grazer story i think it's hysterical uh, it's so just like good. you know you can only imagine if you got one of those calls how much of like oh my god like this is crazy well you think like, that's good it's gonna your life is gonna change because like a yeah. call from brian grazer a movie role from brian grazer that changes people's life that's 100 you get an oscar and you never look back and so yeah. to be sitting in the room and you're like my life's about to change and then he's mm -hmm. like oh hey 
I just wanted to say hi. That's it. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it's listen. He's 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 crushing it. He was the first po- he was the first guy onto podcast. I think he yeah. saw it happening and saw it coming. He's been insanely successful. I mean. I mean, I, he's just a, a guy's guy, and uh, it's interesting because Jimmy Kimmel is the really one who discovered his talent, I think, for the most part, who really kind of, based on what I read, um, who put him on the map. So it says a lot about what kind of guy Jimmy Kimmel was, where he saw how much talent he had. Well, and Jimmy's um, a really good guy, and you can even say, like, he... Everyone he surrounds himself... He's very much like uh, Adam Sandler. Like, surrounds himself with friends, family that he's had his whole life. Like, Cleto, his band leader, is literally his best friend from, like, elementary school. You know? I actually went to a party with Jimmy Kimmel uh, a few years back, and it was when he was filming the show in Brooklyn. And they had this, like, kind of, like, barbecue in Brooklyn at this, like, random sort of, like, abandoned building. And they brought in all these food trucks from local, like, Brooklyn businesses. And they had... Uh, you know, from tacos to pizzas, everything like that. And it was the coolest party, drinks, and it was just chill. And it had, like, it was basically for, like, the crew, maybe their extended family and a few um, people. I don't even know. Maybe people who were advertised. I got in through, I don't even know how I got into this party, but Jimmy was hanging out there with everyone at the fire pit, very approachable, taking photos if he wanted to. But it was just, like, a party. So people didn't even go up to him. And uh, you could just tell, like, the people around them, how much they loved him. And it was like, you felt like everyone there was like his family. They all looked like him and shaped like him. It was just kind of interesting, the vibe that came up. But it was really cool. And, uh, you know, you hear on Stern how much people love Jimmy Kimmel and how he throws the great best parties and connects a lot of people in Hollywood. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, really good but, guy. Uh, yeah, awesome. That was a really good guest. Uh, you can find, uh, check out his podcast, check out his books. He's wrote a few. Uh, you can find our podcast, this whole video of this podcast, hear me screwing up Adam's book title on our YouTube page. Um, you can find, uh, we're on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything. You can see video component of this podcast. Uh, check out the Hollywood Raw. Uh, you can find me at, at Adam Glynn, G-L-Y-N. You can find Dax Holt at H-D-A-X-H-O-L-T. And we'll see you guys later. A Huda Media Production.